Hello everyone, welcome to Celtic Preacher, it's podcast 207. So when we think about border security or capital punishment or sanctuary cities, these all have something in common by the way, Uh, vaccine mandates, we think about climate change, reparations, what do they all have in common? Anything to do with LGBTQ, abortion, gun control, Trump, Biden? Well, I will tell you what they have in common. They have uh, faithful followers of Christ on either side of the issue. That's what they have. Yeah. What this list has in common is people taking a position on an issue, right? And for the most part, the majority of people don't really understand how the other side comes to their conclusion. And for the most part, they're not really interested in knowing why someone would come to a different conclusion. Which, is, which accounts for the, the great divide that we have in the nation, and not just in this nation either. You can see it in other countries too. And what's fascinating is, is what happens on a large scale, you know, this great divide, people taking positions and sides and disagreeing. What happens on a large scale also happens on a much, much smaller scale. So... The country can be divided, yeah, that's true. The family can be divided, yeah, that's true. Groups of any kind, churches can certainly be divided, communities, neighborhoods, right? So today we are looking at a passage, this is from 1 Corinthians 8, looking at a passage where the Apostle Paul counsels this congregation, he sees this great, the great dangers in division, people taking sides, and he wants to address this in the hopes that he can give them some wisdom on how to live and get along with people that are radically, radically different than they are. Now, I know it's possible to sort of cocoon yourself and only be with people that you agree with. And, uh, yeah, well, you know, most of us can't do that. And I'm not exactly sure if it's that healthy emotionally in the long run anyway. So we're going to be looking today at this whole idea of are getting along with people that are very, very different from us. And the passage is it's about loving behavior, of course, as a lot of them are in the midst of opposition. It's about staying in relationship with people that you completely disagree with. It's about relationship conflict. And even though St. Paul is addressing this congregation from thousands of years ago, you know, it's so fascinating, these controversial issues. They certainly change from generation to generation. But the simple fact that people have great difficulty getting along hasn't changed a bit 
in thousands and thousands of years. So whether we're talking about disagreements, whether it's within the family, or it's in your office, or in school, or church, or community, it doesn't really matter. You know, one of the big parts of following Christ, is a big thrust in Christ's teaching is learning uh, different ways of responding to life's challenges. And the way of Christ is radically different than the more common, let's say it's, it's, it's usually called the, than the world, that's what the scripture would, would say, the biblical language, but we would say something like, the way of Christ is radically different than the normal way of doing things. Because a more common approach to conflict, first of all, is to definitely entrench yourself firmly within, a, within one side or the other. And, uh, but yeah, St. Paul, Jesus modeled a completely different way. And Christian ethics are certainly not a majority view, even in the West, where we've had centuries under Christian influence. Uh, well, yeah, we've had centuries under Christian influence, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we, we go the way of the Christ, right? Yeah, because many, many, many of our responses are just impulsive, reactionary displays of unreflected emotion for the most part. So that's what we want to get at because that's the thing that trips us up and that's the thing that we're always working on. And so I'm going to use this text to show you this uh, nice... A very helpful piece of wisdom. So here's the, I'll, I'll give you the biblical background. It's nice to know where the, it's all coming from. Now, we're not going to relate to the conflict at one level because this is not our issue, but I'll tell you about it anyway. The problem with St. Paul and his congregation was there was two group, groups of people that could not get along, right? That's not unusual because every conflict, there's various sides and opinions and several ways of looking at things. And so these ancient people were much the same as us. And again, for the majority of us, when we have a, an opinion, a belief, we like to see ourselves as right. Now, the dilemma that St. Paul's congregation faces, right, this particular one isn't going to apply to us but we're going, to, we're going to extract the spiritual principle because it's the principle that remains timeless and guides us in the scripture. So lots of, you know, the thing about the scripture is, is that when people pick up the book, the manual, as I like to call it, they, they often put it down too quickly because they have difficulty extracting the principle. They look at the controversy, and they think, well, that's got nothing to do with us today, and that's the end of the story. But what you want to do is, when you're reading it, is look at the principle that remains timeless and guides us, even 2,000 years later. So here's the controversy. The controversy was meat that had been on the altars of other temples, non-Christian, uh, of course it would be, temples, 
like Aphrodite's temple or Apollo's temple or Poseidon's temple, somebody else's temple. And uh, animal sacrifices were common in those days. And after the ritual was completed, uh, the meat was left over. And actually, some of the temples had uh, little eating areas, like restaurants, I suppose we would call it, where you could actually go in and get something to eat. I mean, the whole ritual of sacrifice was the giving of the life, but there's still the, the meats left over, right? So it's like, well, we don't want to waste that, so let's sell it and let's eat it. So one group said, yeah, that's a good deal. Who cares if it's been on some other altar of some temple? We don't even believe in other gods anyway, so what difference does it make? Yeah, still makes a good burger. Let's go for it. So that was one side. And then the other side of the argument was, mm, no, I, don't, I don't like this at all. I don't think we should have anything to do with it. I think we left all this behind when we began to follow Christ's way of living and being in the world. And I, I've, I've got bad associations with it. It reminds me of the past. I couldn't in good conscience eat a bite of that meat. And that there was the two sides. So you have one side saying, oh, come on, lighten up, don't be so rigid. You're free in Christ, eat it. It's not going to do you any harm. And then you had the other side saying, no, you know what? You're just stepping over the line. You just, you just push it too much. You just always just go over it. You know, you're, you're just taking advantage of God's grace. So, what, right, it's like, well, who's right? Well, this is the fascinating part. What the Apostle Paul does is, he's actually not particularly interested in who is right. So asking who is right isn't necessarily the best question because we tend to immediately take a side. But Paul, like Jesus, is guided by, well, of course he's guided by God. <laughs> so this is where this wisdom comes from. And uh, God guides in unique, creative ways. But what St. Paul reminds us of right at the start of this as he addresses his churches is that it's not always about being right. You know, we're always looking at arguments and thinking, well, who's right in this and how do I prove my point? And St. Paul's right at the start saying, okay, let's not even approach it that way. This isn't necessarily going to help. It's not always about if you are right. So the paradox is this. You could be right in your assessment, your opinion, your idea, your belief. You could be right, but in God's eyes, you could be quite wrong. There's the paradox. If the motivation is to prove that you're right, basically shore up your ego, then the scripture's saying, no, that, that's just not enough. You know where, where I've seen this, and, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, you can be talking to someone 
or maybe they're talking at you, right? You can be talking to someone and what they say has merit. And what they say may even have some wisdom. But if it's done in the wrong spirit, the wrong motivation, it's very difficult to receive anything that person says. It's a fascinating thing. Motivation is so, so very important. Yeah, I've noticed that. Somebody can be saying all sorts of good things, but, you know, if it's just for proving a point or for defense purposes or giving you the impression that they know more, no, it just doesn't, somehow it doesn't land quite right, does it? So again, getting back to this ancient church in Corinth, St. Paul wasn't primarily interested in who is right. He's far, more, far, far more interested in relationships being right. This is the big key. You know, harmony between people is of utmost importance to God. Now, we know this, right? Because this is the classic teaching of love one another as I have loved you, Jesus said. So when all is said and done, this is really what counts. So of secondary interest is who is right and who is wrong. Uh, the apostle is saying, what I want to know is who's more loving here. Who's looking out for the other person? Is everyone just looking out for themselves and proving that they're right? Who's mature enough to start to look out for someone else? Because that is really what we call agape love, the biblical idea of loving. Yeah, real love is, it's not about feelings or anything else. It's just about, can you actually take time to stop thinking about yourself and look out for the other person? And so the apostle doesn't like to see this arrogant, impatient, aggressive energy within the community. Right? It's the kind of arrogance that idolizes one's own perspective on the world or on this situation, or in this belief system, or this conflict. And he saw certain attitudes as damaging people. He said this, like he said, he called them the weak. Uh, Watch that you don't hurt the weak. Well, it's like, who's the weak? Well, whoever's sensitive, whoever's getting offended, whoever's being wounded, the apostle would say, that's who you need to pay attention to. That's who you need to pay attention to. He's pointing out that, you know, an aggressive insistence on being right was not modeled by Christ. It's just not his way. It's just not who God is, right? So one of the key principles is, are you hurting someone? So he says, take care that this liberty of yours or this viewpoint that you have doesn't somehow become a stumbling block to someone else. Make sure you're not hurting someone else by this position that you're taking. 
Yeah, it's like love matters. Now, again, these are principles. They don't give you all your answers, right? I mean, Jesus doesn't give you rules to follow uh, so that you don't have to think, right? <laughs> this isn't about learning a bunch of rules that you follow so you don't have to think. This is more about giving you a guiding principle that could perhaps help as you figure out, with the help of God, how to deal with someone who's difficult. So it doesn't mean becoming a doormat or allowing people to do whatever they want. I mean, sometimes we are going to cause offense. That's all there is to it. Sometimes you have to just say no. I mean, we're not, we don't change our core values to suit other people, right? Jesus didn't. That's why he ended up on the cross. He was a truth teller. So, you know, the apostle isn't saying, okay, now that you're a follower of Christ, uh, you must do everything at all costs to not upset people. No, no, that's unhealthy, guaranteed relationship breakdown anyway, right? Or your own breakdown, because you'd be exhausted. I think what he's getting at is more of a, an overall sensitivity to the other person. It's like stop thinking about yourself all the time. Which for some of us, including myself, isn't that easy, but I think that this is what he's getting at. It's like, start thinking about how you're, the way you see things and how you see things is affecting the other person. Am I insisting on doing things my way? Is it really, when all is said and done, just about power? Is the other one making a reasonable request? Maybe they are, maybe they're not. Would it, would it harm me in any way to just relax and give in a little? We're talking about compromising here. Would it harm me in any way? Well, yeah, if it doesn't harm me in any way, that would be worth considering. No, I'm a being intolerant. Because it doesn't really matter what side you're on, you can end up being as intolerant as the ones that you think are intolerant, right? So it's all about self-reflection, everything. You know, it all begins here. It all begins with self-reflection, which isn't easy, is it? I mean, not if you're coming out on the short end of the stick. But so very vital to learn how to stop and pause and just reflect. You know, every situation's different. Uh, every conflict is different. Only we can answer these questions because they're questions of what is motivating us. We really don't know what motivates other people. You know, we don't know the hearts of other people. I mean, that's why scripture continually warns us about uh, judging or thinking for others or correcting others. It's like, you don't know the whole story. You don't know the whole story. So a far better approach is to take a look at ourselves. It's like, okay, what, what are my motives? What are my motives? It kind of reminds me of Psalm 51. 
Yeah, it's so easy for us to assume that we know other people's motives. Yeah, I know what they're doing. I know what he's up to. I know what he's thinking. Actually, we don't, do we? We really don't. And anyway, even if we're partly right, people are such a mixed bag. So, so it's, it's, it's hard to even know our own motives, let alone other people's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Apostle Paul would say, hmm. take time, reflect. People are always the focus in the scripture. People are always the focus in the writings of the Apostle Paul. The underlying thought is, whatever you do, in word, in deed, whatever you're doing, what does it mean for those around me and my relationship with God? It's like wondering God's, what God's will is. Okay, there's a good litmus test. What does it mean for those around me? How is it affecting people around me? That might be a good filter. I mean, can you imagine the difference that it would make in this world if people actually practiced this? Like the, it's like, what can I do to nurture this relationship rather than win it? You know, win my point. What can I do to protect this rather than be right? I mean, think of the differences in families or workplaces and churches or anywhere, really. Um, if we, if we, if the whole thing about having to be right was just not the first thing, because many things are matters of indifference. Not everything is so terribly important. Lots of our issues are personal preference in these things. Yeah. So if it's about just preference, yeah, St. Paul would say, that might be something that you could just release. You know, that might be something that isn't, it's just about you in other words. It's not always a choice of one of two ways. Maybe there's a third way. It's not always either or. That's very restrictive uh, to think it's either one side or the other in the complexities of relationships or uh, life in general, actually. It's very restrictive to be forced into one of two choices. Um, I think I'd be very suspect of, well, you can either think this or you can either think that. It's like, no, no, I don't think so. Maybe there's other ways. Maybe we're just not being quite creative enough, right? So something to think about, this whole idea of, I just love that wisdom of the scripture that is, you don't really have to be right all the time. It's not that important. It's not that necessary. And it doesn't even work practically. It doesn't even work well. So it's worthwhile thinking that when we're uh, in any of our relationships or any conflicts or any dilemmas to bring that into the picture and think about it. Is this about me being right? Is that what it's all about? And then, and then if it is, then the heart cry becomes God, you know, yeah, help me grow up. I do not want to live this way. 
There's the prayer, there's the heart cry. I do not want to get stuck in this kind of rigidity. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.